the beauty is, is that I'm not surprised anymore because that's how high my level of trust is. The beauty is, is that I don't need to, to be surprised. It's not that I take it for granted, but I accept so deeply that my life is full of magic. Welcome to Hope to Recharge podcast. Thank you for joining me here again today. Every week we meet here to break the stigma around mental health and to bring you insight and inspiration and lots of practical tips from personal stories or professionals around the world that share how they turn their journey of mental health into healing or to thriving. Together we will break the stigma one story at a time. And mental health together is always better. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm your host, Matana. Let's get started. The part one episode was 133, episode number 133. If you have not listened to part one, stop this right now and go listen to part one, episode number 133. You will not be able to understand and comprehend the magnitude of part two if you did not have part one first. So go grab the listen if you did. Enjoy enjoy this nuggets of gold that's coming up. You will want to be in a very peaceful mindset, in a quiet place, in a relaxing place. You're going to want probably to have some pen and paper in your hand because what you're about to hear might change your life forever and people around you. You do not want to miss a detail from this. So enjoy it. Just a small note, when we recorded this episode. It was a few months back before Mary's Heal with Gold book was out. It is now out and you can officially buy it. And I encourage everybody to buy it because you can highlight for that. You're going to understand this episode and you're going to take notes and you're going to highlight in the book. And this can be your roadmap to recovery. So I just want you to know that you might hear about the book that it's by the editor but it's no longer by the editor. You can order it. The link is in the show notes and it's something that every house should have. Whether you're struggling with adversity, I think it's something that gives tools for life, whether you're struggling with mental health, whether you're struggling in relationships, whether you just want to fix your mindset. There's so much, so much information and tools that Miri acquired through her journey in life, and she is gifting it to the world for only a few bucks buying her Heal with Gold book. So enjoy this part two. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what you took out of this, how it impacted you. I want to hear from you. Did you ever have something that happened in your life that you thought you were so broken and you could not put yourself back together? But looking back after you did put yourself back together, did you put yourself back together with gold Or did you put yourself together back with scotch tape? Which one did you use? Enjoy the listen. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. You can access thousands of therapists one click away. Go check out BetterHelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Get 10% off your first month. Start your wellness now. Before we jump into today's episode, I would like to introduce to you a new package that I have out there for listeners that want to change something in their life. They might feel stuck, they might feel not inspired or lack of motivation, and they know that where they are now is just not good enough and they want a little bit more. They're not sure what it is. They might be in a fog, they might be in a lack of inspiration, or they just need some clarity. This package is eight one-on-one sessions with me and I'm going to gift you in these sessions a specific custom-made program for you and your life and anything that's going on in your life using the tools that I incorporated in my healing and my journey that I incorporate every single day in my life with challenges. We're going to talk about gratitude, we're going to talk about acceptance, radical acceptance, forgiveness and what it means to live in a positive mindset. If you want to hear more about this program, go to my website website hope to recharge.com you'll see link in the show notes it's called gift of light don't miss out it's limited time just for the holiday season now i'm gifting a few of these away so go check it out and see if this is something you want to gift yourself when i was introduced to the kintsugi dress it was it was perfect it was comfortable it was beautiful i mean as much as i tell people you can walk around in sweatpants You know, as the facilitator of the workshop, you want to look a certain way. You you do demand a certain command, a certain respect. 
and it's a beautiful, and it's over, it's over a weekend. It's over, you know, Shabbos. So you want to dress, you want to dress nicer. Her dress was perfect. It was so perfect. And every workshop, Friday night, I show up wearing this dress. It's comfortable. It's stretchable. It's breathable. At this point, half my staff shows up wearing this dress because everyone who sees me in it is like, where'd you get that? I want that. And then sometime around Friday night, around the table, we start talking about, you know, it ends up being very organic. It's not like, guys, do you want to know why I wear this dress? Although it's becoming more and more of like a thing on the workshop that I wear the dress and we know that sometime Friday night, I will end up talking about the dress, about Kintsugi, about what it means to heal with gold and why this dress means so much to me. But on the last workshop, something completely different happened. On the last workshop, it was Friday night, and there's usually a little bit of downtime after the women light the Sabbath candles. Some women want to pray a little bit. And while, you know, we're not, we are a Jewish retreat, but we're not necessarily, we don't, it's, religion is not mandatory. You know, everyone can do whatever they want, but we do allocate time for prayer. And for those women who don't feel comfortable or wanting to pray, we sing. So we ask people to volunteer songs, and then we sing. And uh, this last workshop that we had in July, somebody um, asked if we can sing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And I'm one of those people who knows all the verses. So I lead them in singing it. And one verse, the next verse, the next verse. And they're all looking at me and they're like, you know all the verses? And I say, yes, of course. And they say, why do you know all the verses to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah? I just want to interrupt for a second. Because it's on Sabbath, for people that are not Orthodox or don't know the tradition, we don't use phones, computers, electronics. So it's not like she looked it up on YouTube or Google. The phones are off. There's no computer. There is no literature. There's no one to go, nowhere to go besides Folly's brain. So (laughs) I I just want to make that like there was no way for her to look it up because everything is shut down on a Friday night and it was on Friday night. Okay, go on. Yeah. So I explained to them this backstory that I have with the song and this was completely unplanned, very spontaneous on the workshop. And I said that I never truly understood this song because growing up Orthodox Jewish, we only sing the hallelujah when we're praising God, when we're celebrating and I never understood like the words to the broken hallelujah and, and, and how to shoot somebody who outdrew you in love and like, really, like, what does this actually mean? It didn't jive with what I knew of the hallel that we sing as Orthodox Jews until I went through a Kintsugi moment where my heart was breaking. We had, I, I, my family went through a very, very, very difficult crisis and I was I was broken. I, I, I didn't know. I was in the abyss. I didn't know how I was ever going to come back and be me. I, I just didn't know. You know, you know how you have the befores and the afters in your life? This was one of those moments where there was definitely a before this happened and then everything after. And it was a Friday morning and I was cooking for the Sabbath. And I got a notification on my phone that my favorite singing group had released a new single and it was a cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And I was like, really? This song that I really don't like. But you know what? It was my favorite group. So I had to listen. And I listened. And I found myself sobbing hysterically in the middle of my kitchen. And I finally got it. I understood it. Because what I realized is that there's a hallelujah that you sing out of joy, celebration, and praise. But then there's a hallelujah that you sing from a broken heart. When your heart is so broken, that there's nothing left to do but raise your eyes to heaven to look at God and say, this could only be from you. And because it's from you, I'm going to choose to praise you even here, Hmm. even here, because I trust you, God, and I know that you have a plan and I don't see it and I'm hurting and I'm so broken. But from this broken place, I am going to choose to praise you. And that is the broken hallelujah. And finally, that song clicked for me. And you know what? I finally realized why the book of Psalms, why the Tehillim is so powerful. Because, you know, King David, right? David Amalekh, he wrote this book from that broken place. It's very easy to praise God when you're happy and whole. But it's really, when you do it from that broken place, wow, that, that packs a punch that lasts thousands of years. So I explained this on the workshop to the women. And I said, so many people come 
for whether when I was doing back in the day, when I was doing private sessions, they would come to me for private sessions or they come onto the workshop and they think that healing is about closure. And it's not, it's not about closure. We have this myth that healing is about erasing, closing up your wounds, pretending it never happened to you. And because we're so obsessed with the word closure, which I believe is a myth because no one really ever gets closure. You, you go through something and you know what? This thing that you go through, you might feel better about it after a time. And then a couple of years pass and then it hits you from a whole nother direction. You, you're going to have to keep processing that trauma on many different levels as you go through life. You never really get over it. And I said, it's not, it's, it's not that just that healing isn't, that closure is a myth. Because we're so obsessed with closure, we become so afraid of, of being broken. And I tell these women, you are not here to find closure. You came to learn how to live life from an open-hearted place. You see the joy, like Miri was saying, that joy, I can't say it the way you say it. I'm sorry. I can't do that accent. But life full of joy, right? You see that? I have that. My life is vibrant. I live life from an open-hearted place. You want to live life from an open-hearted place? Well, you got to be comfortable with your heart breaking open first. And it's not about fixing it to the point where it looks like it never broke. It's about fixing it with gold, honoring those cracks. And if you can't do that yet, know that you are strong enough to hold the broken pieces of your heart in your hand and keep living because you can do this with your heart in your hand, broken in pieces. So after this, after I said this piece, and this was completely spontaneous Friday night, completely spontaneous. I also told them something else about children because children's hearts break too. And as children, we, we live in a world that doesn't honor the broken heart. So as children, we either, try to, we either try to push away our broken heart or we become control freaks. We numb out. Like Mary said, you went into a whole new industry to numb out your broken heart or we just become control freaks. We get anxiety because or, or OCD because we need to make sure that our hearts are never going to break. So we become one of two, either numb or you know crazy uh, anxious. And I tell them, you know, as parents, we see our children's hearts breaks and we rush in to fix them because we think that their problems are small. So we rush in to fix them instead of sitting with them and crying with them and teaching them the value of a broken heart. Because the truth is when a kid's heart is breaking, even though in my perspective, it's such a silly thing in his perspective, his heart is broken and don't, don't think his heart hurts less than your heart. So we had, we had a story with my son who was hurting. And my mommy impulse came in wanting to fix it because it seemed like something I could fix. And I started talking to him and I realized I can't fix this because it's, it's out of my league. This is, this is not the, I can't go, I can march into school and tell his bullies to stop tormenting him. It's much more complicated than that. It's his pride. It's so much more than just mommy, stop it. You know, make this stop. I can't make it stop. I can't make him feel better. And I sat with him on the bed crying and I told him, can you do me a favor? Can you pray for me? And he looked at me and he said, what? I said, yeah, can you pray for me? Because your heart right now is in the same place of brokenness that David HaMelech, King David's heart was when he wrote the Sefer Tehillim. And if that Sefer, if that man, if our greatest guide had such power with his broken heart, you have power with your broken heart too. And I have stuff that I would love to pray for, to pray about. And I'm praying, I'm praying on my own. But if you could pray for me, for now, from this, from this place, how much more powerful would it be? And he looked at me with such awe in his eyes. And he says, you trust me to do that? I said, well, who else but the broken heart of a child? And we, we, we are aiming to teach our children, first of all, the power and the beauty inherent in a broken heart. And B, don't be afraid of your broken heart. Don't be afraid of it because life is going to break your heart many, 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 many times. So embrace that and know that you can overcome this. You can, you're strong enough to hold this. So when we finished teaching that piece, which was, again, completely spontaneous, a bunch of my staff members who have been with me, you know, um, on other workshops, they came over to me and they said, you realize that this is going into like the canon of the workshop. <laughs> this has to become part of the workshop from now on. And I, and I just did this today before I came onto the call. I actually printed out the lyrics of Hallelujah because I'm walking onto a workshop in two days, uh, my next workshop. And we're set, like we're going to be giving out the lyrics and teaching them the song and making this a part of the workshop because it was such a powerful moment. So yeah, every time we come off the workshop, there are women who want to buy the Kintsugi dress. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, and then when I came off the workshop, I just had to 
I, I doubted myself over and over and over until I finally sent Miri that voice note. And at the end of the voice note, and I, I was really, I was like blushing as I was sending it because I said, this person is going to think I'm crazy. I'm sending her an 11 minute voice note. She must think I'm nuts. And at the end, the last 40 seconds or so of the voice note, I say to her, you think I'm crazy because you don't know me. I'm a stranger off the internet. Why am I sending you this voice? And I will tell you why. Because after your time on earth, you will be guided to the next place of your soul's journey to, I mean, whatever you want to call it. To your, to your final resting place, whatever your culture calls it, heaven, in Hebrew, we call it Gan Eden. And I said, I just, one day when you're going to be guided to that place, it's going to be such a beautiful, magnificent place. And you're not going to understand how you got there, what you did in life to deserve this. And so I'm sharing with you just a 10 minute voice note of just one small fragment of mm -hmm. what it is that you have put out into the world that you don't even know you don't even know what you will be so rewarded for because you have touched the lives of so many women you, you will never even meet. So, so that, that is my story. Wow. I'm, I'm like, right. Are you like feeling like you're watching this YouTube channel of this like <laughs> inspiring person that you're just like, keep on talking. I want more. Listen, first of all, I was crying. So I had to text her. I'm crying right now. Give me a few minutes to compose myself to answer, you know, <laughs> because it took me, you know, it was uh, very strong. You, you, were, you talked for longer. You told me more details of what went on during the workshop. So I was dealing with that. And then she does that ending and it just goes from deep to, oh, my God, it was, you know, it was everything. It was everything because I did what I did with my work. For that, you know, it wasn't the fame, it wasn't the money, I'm an introvert, this is not, I've never looked at or desired to be out in the open, it was really for the content, and when I went into it and I told my husband, if I can help one woman, you know, it's just one, and then after that one, okay, so now just one more, and then suddenly you get this message and you find that it's the, you know, conversation starter for something so deep that can help so many people, it blew me away, really blew me away. And, and I did tell you there was more. So more than just the Kintsugi piece, you have so many other inspirational pieces on your site. I mean, you have the whole mosaic line, which is fabulous. And I was telling Miri that the other outfit that I ended up wearing on the workshop, the second day of the workshop, I'm on my feet for... I mean, I don't sleep for about three days, but there's probably like a 13 or 14 hour stretch where I don't get a break. I'm on my feet facilitating the entire day. So comfort is key. And Mary has this set, the, the kata set, which is the jogging set. That the first time I saw it, I was just like, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> and I was telling her that it was mid-July. It's 110 billion degrees outside and I'm packing my suitcase and I'm looking at this velour set and I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? Are you crazy? And I'm like, I kind of feel like I need this with me on the workshop. And, and, and I was even sharing that the velour set that I had bought, I, I never really wear it around the house. I don't know why somehow at home, it just doesn't fit me right. On the workshop, it fit like a glove. This set is velour, a sweater, a hoodie, and a velour, uh, like a track skirt. Um, and it's cozy and it's comfortable. And on the sleeve, it has the words... What was the on the on the word on the I'm, sleeve? I'm worthy. I'm worthy is on the oh. sleeve, and on the skirt it says I'm enough. Oh my god! And I'm wearing this, and yeah, the AC was on really really high, so it was really good. I wore velour oh. all day in 110 degrees heat, but you know, every woman on that workshop commented on that set. They wanted to come over and touch it, right. which was kind of weird for me <laughs> having people just be like can I touch your sleeve can I and I'm like it's just embroidery they're like I know but I need to touch it <laughs> and it was it was really it was I felt different wearing that suit I felt different wearing those words on my sleeve and I, I yeah I stood differently I showed up differently and and every woman was inspired by that that piece so it's so much more than just the Kintsugi dress. I think it's the mindset that you run your whole company with. It's every piece is made with love and you can feel it. So much, really so much love. It's very, very it's so emotional. Fali, you said it so beautifully, so beautifully. You left out a tiny piece of who's your favorite musician. You said it was by your favorite musician. 
Oh, yeah. It was Pentatonix, uh, the band that covered the Leonard Cohen song. They covered it and they're an acapella group that doesn't sing with music. So something about we've spoken so much about some of the stuff that I do. So, you know, the breath work and the hypnotherapy and all that stuff. But I'm also a little bit obsessed with sound healing. You mentioned my drums. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can only see what's behind me. You don't see what's in front of me. I have four massive hand pans sitting in front of me. So um, sound healing is, is something I'm very, I, I love my tuning forks and, and all that. And, and especially, and also healing with the voice. So acapella groups have always fascinated me, the toning of the voice without music, the power of the human voice. But it was also more than that. When Pentatonix released Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, it actually coincided with when he died. They couldn't have planned this. They record this months in advance. When they released it, Leonard Cohen died about two weeks later, which was so serendipitous. It was so crazy because Pentatonix Hallelujah was like at the top of the charts. And then Leonard Cohen passed away. And it was like, wow. But at that point, when they released that song, and I was in such a broken place, and it was so miserable for me, I wasn't even in a position wow. to be listening to music. It was almost like the rawness of their vocals was what really got to me. I think that it was, it was not just the brokenhearted place that I was in plus the lyrics of the song, but it was also the tonality, the rawness of, and the sweetness of their voices without the interference of music. And, and don't get me wrong, I love music. I love music, but in that moment, it was that. It was the rawness. So when we sang the Broken Hallelujah on the workshop, like you said, it's the Sabbath. We don't use any electronics. There's no music. There's no accompaniment. It's just us in our rawness. We also don't wear a lot of makeup. We advise the women to dress for comfort, not to wear a lot of makeup, so we don't, we're not strict about it, but yeah. you know, people really show up very raw. So there's this realness with that. So it was a very powerful punch. Sally, it was crazy because that same weekend, I wore the cassette in my house. Right. I, you told me. I told you that. It was crazy because I live in Florida in July, but the AC was so, and I didn't wear the hoodie, but I did wear the skirt and I thought it was crazy. And then Pentatonics Hallelujah was you know, came out on my YouTube, you know, you go to watch something and it was there on the side. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh, that is <laughs> like, are they listening to oh my, my message or what is that? They totally are, but that's for another time. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But it, I felt that it was such a connection. The way it was crazy that I wore that skirt, that Travis. I have no question that there was some kind of an energy pulling me to pick that because it didn't make any sense. Folly, yeah. I want to, first of all, thank you for saying it so nicely. And one of the things that I think you gifted me when you were sharing this, when I heard it through the message, was that it's okay to have a broken heart and don't run away from it. Look at it, feel it, sit in it, because the healing comes through the broken heart. It really comes through owning the broken heart. We're so used to Give me medication to numb my depression. Give me medication to numb my OCD. Give me my medication to for my anxiety. But what is triggering all that? Something, a trauma, a brokenness. If we just sat with our brokenness, and I and I say this often on my podcast that my yoga teacher, Davira, bless her heart, she used to say to me, stop running away from it. Sit in it. Feel it. And I said, Davira. I am going to healers that I'm spending $5,000 an hour. You think I want to sit in this pain? I want to run away. <laughs> she said, stop running. The answers are inside you. Just sit in the silence of your brokenness. And, and I remember saying, like, I won't survive. If I sit in this pain, I'm not going to survive. And what Folly was saying, not only are you going to survive, you're going to find the way and the tools to make that broken heart a piece of art. And when Folly says joy, it doesn't mean that you're sitting in that misery and you're looking at it and saying, yay, I'm so miserable and I'm happy. No, that's not what she's saying. We take our brokenness and we embrace it and we try to learn through it and we try to grow through it and we try to share our story and find the meaning like Miri's doing. And then the experience just changes, but the heart can be broken forever. It will be healed with gold, with different things that the meaning and the the resilience or the aha moments that we might get or a forgiveness that we grant, that can be a stitch of the gold. 
really a stitch of that gold can be granting forgiveness. And it's not for the other one. It's for us. It's for our healing. So that brokenness is something that I think is a gift because God's saying, stay there because you're going to grow. It's not just that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a gift in pain. When your body is feeling pain, it's a sign that something is wrong. Something needs to be dealt with. When you have a toothache, you know that it's not about numbing it out by taking medications. You actually have to go and fix the problem. You have to find out what's wrong. Mm -hmm. So when your heart is hurting, yes, there are times, and this is, this is not knocking medication at all. I'm a big advocate for doing what works, but it's not about, you can't numb it out forever because at a certain point, you really have to dive deep and ask what's causing the pain and what can I do about it? How can I grow from this? And when you spoke about joy, people assume that joy is the same thing as happiness. And it's not. Happiness it's is fleeting. Not. Happiness is a moment. Joy is the culmination of all of your emotions. When you can feel all of your emotions. I mean, one of my favorite movies is Inside Out. I make my kids watch it. I make every kid watch it. I make I've every never adult watch, watch it. What is it? <gasps> Disney Pixar movie? No, no, I don't watch Come movies. On. I don't want I don't. I'm ADD. I can't. My no, kids no, make no. fun of me that I can't this watch. Is a kid's I can't movie. even watch a show. <laughs> this is a kid's movie on healing, on emotions. And it's it's very brilliant. So I'm not going to give it away because I okay. want you to watch it. Okay. But the premise of the movie is that when, you're, when it originally starts, you see all the emotions as separate beings who each want to lay claim over this kid's memories. Mm -hmm. These emotions live in this kid named Riley's head and they go through all her memories. And it's like joy claims this memory and sadness claims this memory and grief and anger claims this wow. memory. Each each emotion is claiming different memories. And then at the end of the movie, what you learn and what the emotions learn is that true joy is when they play together. And that one memory, one moment can be colored by all different emotions. And that's the essence of life. It's not a separating joy from sadness. And joy and sadness in the movie are in this fierce competition of who wins out. Who gets the who gets more memories? Like which days? Like when when the kid goes to sleep at the end of the day, how many? Like does she have majority joy memories, majority sad memories? You know, and they're in this competition until joy and sadness learn to work together. It's because when you can feel your sadness, your joy is that much greater, and they work hand in hand. And I said this to Folly, and I'm like, how can we like paint this on every single like poster board that just as much as your pain is so strong, your joy can go just as strong. It doesn't have exclusive on extremes. Joy has the same exclusiveness on going high. And if your pain goes so mm. low, your pain is going to go so high. And you, it's just about a matter of working through it. We had eight interviews on grief, walking through grief. I think each and every one of them spoke about gratitude through grief which is like unheard of, like you're grateful and you're grieving at the same time. How does that happen? And, and they really do work together. And when we accept the fact that a brokenness is something special, then we, we look forward. When I have an unknown and something that falls apart, I'm like, wow, let's see what's going to grow from this. Let's see where it's going to go. Because it can't be that it's just shattered on the floor and the pieces are just going to stay there. No, it's not an option. Let's see what this is going to mold into. And that's the gift of, of healing because you realize that you have this gift of change and it, like things evolve. And there's something I would say like really with when people were talking about Corona and they don't know, and I'm like, I can't wait to see. I, I'm not holding my breath. I just want to see like, wow, this is exciting. Let's see what's going to change from this. Really, what is going to change in my own personal life, in the world, in society, in my business has to be something good that's going to come out of this. And I can't wait to see what it is. And when you go through brokenness, you realize the next brokenness that's going to come, you're going to be okay with it. And one of the biggest gifts that Folly gave me was not trying to fix my kids' wounds. She really gave me a gift because like somebody that's in prison can't free himself. Free himself. Even 
You need help from the outside. Yeah, like you can't free yourself. Even if you have the key, you can't really. So if you're, let's say a healer. It's the mindset. Yeah. You're in the box. You can't see right. outside the box for as long as right. you're Right, so you need a facilitator. You're the one that will walk out. But you need, to, sometimes you need somebody from the outside to lead you through it. So you can be doing all the work in the world, but when it comes to your pain, it's really hard to look inside and say, okay, I know how to do this. Sometimes we need the help from the exterior. And especially when it comes to children, our triggers are really like hard and we're like, okay, let's patch it up. We don't want to feel, we don't want them to feel, we want them to stay naive and, and pure and happy and joyful. But the biggest gift that Folly gave me was to let my kids look at their broken heart, see their broken heart, be okay with the broken heart and teach them, like Folly said, teach them that they are strong and uh, strong enough to deal with their broken heart and to live through the broken heart and to hold their broken heart. I think that was one of the biggest gifts Folly gave me. Mary, I see you want to say something. You want to add something? No, 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 no. I'm thinking about the, the, everything that Folly was saying, because every time that I'm talking to somebody, I am trying to validate my findings from my interviews, right? From different perspectives, because the women that I speak, they are in essence patients, or you know, they are the people that go that went through the process. They are what they would be the clients or the patients of therapists. So I started lately speaking to therapists mm. to hear from their because the therapists they see the people at a time that I don't see them. I see them when they're thriving, right? So the therapists see them in the beginning of the process when they decide that they want to start healing and they start going through the process. So it's a completely different perspective and point of view. So I always, when I speak to somebody who has experience leading people, I want to confirm that my findings are true. And everything that Fally was saying about sitting in the brokenness, that's the entire, the, my first module in my course is about belief, is what exactly what Fally was saying, which is to let them know that they're capable and able to, to heal. The, the healing comes from within. That's my first module. The second module is the broken piece, right? You have a, a drawing of the broken path in, or, or container. And the point of in Kintsugi is that you collect all the pieces and you sit in them and you plan how you're going to go about it. And you start thinking about creative ways because think about a container, right? It's like an oval shape, let's say a, let's say a vase. You have to take the pieces, figure out the puzzle, where each piece goes. So you really, that's what Fally was saying, that you need to go in and see deep what is the cause of the problem. So you need to really and figure out that puzzle. Then you need to shave the pieces in order to be able to accept the lacquer so it's going to stick really well. That is that process in which we need to analyze ourselves and start saying, okay, I broke. What is it about me or now that I can shave off and mm -hmm. right fix? Who are the friends that I, maybe they're not so good? What are the types of ways of communications and words that I wow. use that maybe I shouldn't be using anymore? And that's that process that you go through in Kintsugi before you start putting the lacquer and then you go into the mending. That's the next part in the course that you talk about mending because now you already know this is my plan of action. This is what I removed from my life. This is my understanding about it. Now, how do I start putting the pieces together? You go into the process and then you have polishing, making things better, making habits stick because you start making changes. If those changes are not gonna become constant, that you're going to go back to your old ways. What does it mean to create a habit? How do you change habits? That's, you know, when it comes to the polishing and then it's you adding the gold and you're adding all the beautiful things that are going to create the whole person that you are. But everything that you were saying, Tally, because I'm a visual learner, wow. I am seeing. Oh my God. It's in my head and I'm like, yeah, that's the men. Yeah, oh my <laughs> God. And, and you never spoke things. about your course in detail. Yeah, this is the first time I'm telling you. Wow. Going to be, but it's a very visual way to understand what you're going to be doing with yourself through wow. the process. So, and it's very divided. 
So now we're going to deal with that. Don't think about the, the joy that you're going to feel right now. You have to be sitting in the pain. You need to figure out what's wrong. You need to remove it. And it's very in pieces, in small bites. And you have to create habits as you're going. And it's very visual. You really see how you're putting your pieces together. You understand at what stage you are in right now. I love. Wow. How many modules? So it's uh, seven modules. And over seven weeks? It could be longer because it's going to be a drip model, meaning that the person goes to the next when they feel that they are ready for the next and they have homework to do. There is a lot of hard work to do. And uh, when they feel, then they open the next. Uh, So if they need a little bit more time, they can spend a little bit more time before they go. And then, then all it is, they have the tools to... You know, they they gathered resilience tools. Now they have it in their toolbox, but they're going to have to use it every day. So the course remains with them. And the idea is that they should keep watching and they should keep doing because, you know, look, I went through things. I got better. I got stronger. And then my husband had a stroke, you know, came out of nowhere. My husband lost memory and I had to deal with that. One month later, my father passed away and my husband was not able to help me because he wasn't a mess. So how do you deal with that? But now I have resilience tools and it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt and it doesn't mean that you don't cry and it doesn't mean that you don't break moment break and if you have moments that you think really God like really are you joking like that's not fair uh, and then you say okay hold on a second I didn't think it was fair before I had what it took to put myself back together and I'm going to have to go back to the broken pieces, you know, and there's no skipping stages. You go back and you go through the process again, but you did it once. So you know that you could do it again. Right. And it's how fast you do it. Like you, you have that ability to say, okay, fine. I got this. Yes. It's painful. I'll sit with my pain. We give ourselves time to sit with our pain and we know that it's not weakness. Whoever goes through Kintsugi or healing, they know that sitting with pain is not weakness. It's it's courageous. It's strength. It's, it's Mm -hmm. powerful. So we know that we have to pamper ourselves. We know that we need to cry. We know who to cry to. We also know our boundaries. We know so many things through last time healing and we know, okay, last time it took me a little bit longer because I did this mistake. This time I'm not going to make that mistake again. And and you're right. It's really the different steps. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do two steps forward and then you have to go back to the beginning to say, okay, we have to polish that one off a little bit. It's sticking out. It's poking. It's not well. We need a habit. (laughs) We need to polish that habit. And Miri, one of the things that I want to wrap up a little bit, but I have still a few things that I want to share with from your story. So one of the things that you mentioned to me is that your father passed away and you were super close to him. Your husband had a stroke and you were going through a really, really hard time of like you, you were, you knew this was your passion and you just needed a little bit of a kiss from, from your father. And I asked, it was when I was recording my, my grief episodes. And I said, Oh, wow, you, you just lost your father. Do you speak to him? And you said, do I speak to him? I get messages from him all the time. Can you share that message that you got, which was, was it the same weekend that you got Folly's message? Was it? I think it was a couple of weeks later. Yeah, the same time frame. Very but much the same. Very close. very close with the whole, with her husband trying yeah. to heal from the stroke. Miri really trying to be there for her husband, for the family, for the business, doing everything with a smile. With And she keeps to her routine. She has a whole routine in the morning that you're going to share with us after this. But it's about keeping to the homework and it's constant. Even mm-hmm. when things are good, you keep with the homework because if you stop the homework when things are good, you're going to fall apart faster when the next hiccup comes or the next big slam on your head and you're like, oh no, then you're going to go all the way back. So when you do the exercise constantly, it's like your body exercise, you're just more in shape when the when that big punch comes in your gut and you're like, really? And they're like, okay, I got this. So, so when I asked you, do you speak to your father? Because you were super close to him. You said, Matana, you're not going to believe the story I'm telling you. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not going to believe it, but I need you to share it with my audience. Okay. So the story is as follows. When I was nine years old, and that's almost 42 years ago, I was living in Brazil 
the Modern Museum of Art of Brazil caught fire. By the way, Fala, do you know this story? I I read it in your email when you sent it out and I watched your YouTube video on it. I you had did? to. Okay, I just needed to know if you're hearing it for the it's second beautiful. time. Beautiful. I was devastated. My parents always took me to the opera, to the museum, even when I was very little. And as a child, I hated it. But I loved art and I used to color and, you know, play around as a kid with art. And I couldn't believe how an entire museum, all of the creations of all of the artists were gone forever. So I went to my room and I made um, coloring. I really, in my memory, because I saw the, the art recently, but before that, in my memory, it was a piece of art. I thought in my memory, I did something amazing. <laughs> so I was so proud of it. And I remember coming to my father in his office at home and I showed it to him. I plastified it with cellophane paper to protect from the fire, you know. And I told my father, I made this art for the museum. What do you think? My father said, Miro, this is beautiful. Go write a letter and I'll mail it to the museum. And I said to my father, but there's no museum. The museum you know, burnt down. Where are you going to mail it to? He says, that you don't have to worry. So I went back into my room and I wrote a letter and I gave it to my father and I forgot about it. And it wasn't internet time. It wasn't email. It wasn't so easy to find those things. I wasn't sure if my father was sending, not sending. I just didn't think about it. A few weeks later, I get a letter from the museum thanking me for the beautiful letter and the art and telling me that it was going to be in an exposition at the museum. We ended up not going to that exposition. I don't remember why, but I remember that this story remained in my memory. It was something that I told my children about. I told my husband about. It was something that I, it was a moment that stayed engraved in my memory. So a few weeks ago, I get a phone call from the museum and they simply told me, are you Miriam Dollinger? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, we looked into the archive. I'm calling you from the Museum of Modern Art of Brazil. We looked into the archives and we found your work. And it's exactly uh, 42 years from the Burn Down Museum. And we wanted to know if we can write a piece on, on what happened and put pictures of your artwork. And obviously I gave them permission. And the next morning, I made a video and I shared it with my Instagram followers. And this video went viral in Brazil. O Globo, which is the major, it's just like the New York Times in Brazil, found out about it. They wrote a report about it. And actually, yesterday, my school that I went to, they sent me a message and they asked me for a video because they're putting it on the magazine of the school. And they... Jewish network, cable network in Brazil, they asked me and they did a whole 20-minute segment on this story. So it ended up in Brazil blowing up and becoming a viral, a viral story. But for me, the message was that my it was a connection between me and my father because it was a story that was always very much in my mind. And it, I felt that it was a way for my father to tell me, I believed in you then. I believed in you now. I'm watching you. Oh. I knew that this would be a code between the two of us. I knew that you were going to understand it. And I'm just letting you know to keep going in, in, in the ways that you're going. And I developed a few friendships from on all of this. It's funny. Today, I spoke to the PR person from the museum. We became friends. She introduced me to an artist in Miami. We became close friends, which were in contact all the time. And all of this was born from something, from a seed that was planted when I was nine years old. But it was my father believing in what I was doing. It, it's such a lesson for us as parents that when a child comes to us with a dream, with a message, not to discard it, oh, very cute, very... My father, not for a second, thought this is a child, nine years old, doing a little coloring with markers that's silly. He didn't think it was silly. He actually taught me a lesson. Go write a letter. Put the date on. Write a little bit about you. And then he did and he followed through with what he promised that he would do. Mm -hmm. So all of that, it was, it was such a... 
package full of lessons that I got in love and in warmth. And, and actually, I was on vacation last week and, and my family, we drove to Georgia and we just rented a cabin, pretty much stayed in the cabin most of the time. And I had a dream one of the nights. And in my dream, I saw my father and my mother my, and they were laughing. My father was well. He was, he was so well. And my mother was wearing one of my dresses. Oh, my God. And my father was wearing one of my shirts. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was ridiculous. The epitome of perfection. <laughs> but, it, but it was ridiculous. My father would never dress. It was, <laughs> and he was wearing, it was a burgundy, like a wine with gold kintsugi. My father was, it's like, but it was, again, I felt... My father was telling me, keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud of you. I'm happy with what you're doing. That's the message that I interpreted. The truth will find out at 120. But for me right now, that's what it meant. And it gave me such strength. I want to add something to that. You said that you wanted to reach a milestone while he was alive. And you were working towards that milestone very hard. And you said, I, I'm in my path of healing. I want to reach this milestone in my business, in my healing. I'm so close to my father that I want him to be alive to see this amazing mi milestone that I'm about to achieve. I'm about to achieve. And he was really sick for many years. And you're like, no, don't die before I reach this milestone because I want, and you said, I hope he will live to see this because he's going to be so proud. And you were debating and you reached out. She's crying. <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed to cry. We cry. And she reached a milestone and she wanted to make sure that her father saw that milestone. And she got the letter from the museum mm -hmm. exactly when she asked for like, do you see that I achieved this incredible, incredible milestone? I know you're proud of me, but this is going to like really proud of me. Mm -hmm. And, and we were talking about messages and, and connecting that our loved ones that leave us still see, they still feel, they still connect. And if you're open to the messages, you're going to receive them. You just have to be open to seeing them looking around 42 years later. And Miri, you said that you weren't sure if he just said that he sent it to them or not. Like growing up, you said, did he say it just to be a nice father? And he really didn't send it. And you didn't know what happened because you didn't go to the museum. Well, I found out that I got a letter back from the oh, museum. Okay. So I knew that he had sent. When right. I gave it to him, I didn't know how he would send it because there was right. no museum. But he figured out a way, you know, because he really believed in me. Is that incredible? Just incredible. Folly, isn't that like, and all of like both of you, how it all comes together and how we're gifting now to the world, really gifting from Mary's design and her, her own journey with healing and her passion to not give up. And now with her husband, she's rebuilding. She's rebuilding with her husband. She's not giving up. She's taking those broken pieces and moving forward. And yes, and all the adversity. She knows that a kintsugi is an option and it's such a tool to have in her toolkit and Folly incorporates it. And I think I'm going to give this little thing. I think we need to give out bracelets or necklaces and of Mika fashion at every, I think it needs to be a part of this new thing. Cause by the way, Folly said she's incorporating this whole thing into every single workshop yeah. now. So it has to be, it has to be something. That dress comes with me on every <laughs> workshop. It's not even a question. It goes into my suitcase. It's easy. It's beautiful. It's a piece. It's a it's a showcase piece. And it's also the conversation. It's a process. We work on the dress. Listen, the hashtag for my company is we are Kintsugi because it is about the healing. It's not about the brand. You know, it's it's about it's that we are Kintsugi. You know what I yeah. wanted to tell you when you're sharing the story about the, the piece of art that your father sent in, I'm smiling to myself because I remember a few months ago, my daughter was drawing in bed and she drew a kintsugi dress and I oh sent you God. a picture. I have it. I yeah. have the picture. I remember you posted it on Instagram. I posted it on Instagram and also your son drew a plate. He drew a plate. We drew kintsugi plates for Pesach. And when my daughter came over to me, it was her Hanukkah gift. She got the, I had just received a kintsugi order, Hanukkah, and I was obsessed with it. I was like, I bought like three pieces, like in three different colors, the same piece in three different colors. Cause I was like, I'm going to wear this every day for the rest of my life. So my kids <laughs> hear me talking about kintsugi and I'm teaching them. And she went and drew 
a piece. I remember it was Hanukkah. She got this little book on drawing fashion pieces and she drew and she came up with this beautiful Kintsugi dress. And she's like, look, look, it's Kintsugi. I said, I'm going to send it to the Kintsugi league right now. <laughs> Talk about yes. parents sending in their kids art. Yeah. yeah. And, and believing in them and owning it and all these beautiful things. So I think I want to wrap up with really saying that what we're gifting to the world in this episode, which is a huge gift, really a huge, huge gift. First of all, Mary's putting it into a course that we can actually tap into and not only listen to this episode, we can actually work through it. And it's so brilliantly done and broken down. And so healing with gold. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. There's workbook involved. Each module will have a meditation that you can download and heal with music. Where can people register to get the email for the founders member? Like where should they go on a waiting list? Go to healwithgold.com and you can go and you can be in that wait list. Okay. Healwithgold.com. We're going to put the link in the show notes and definitely grab the opportunity because it's literally gold, literally gold. Folly, is there anything, words of wisdom that you want to share to wrap this up? I know I was sharing this with you the other day. My life is magic. It really, really is. And so many times when I share stories with people, about some awesome, crazy thing that just happened to me. Because the most crazy things happen to me. Like, like really, and you know some of my stories. Anything I want, it's just boom. It's like on a silver platter. And people always say, Folly, only you. Only you. But it's not true. Because it can be you too. Living a life full of magic is a choice. And magic, I know in, in, in the world of fantasy that I grew up in, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter generation, you know, it always says magic always comes at a price. And they say it in this like very negative way. Magic comes at a price, but it doesn't have to be a negative price. But there, there is an entry fee. It's like you said, there's a founder's club, right? There, there's, there's, there's a buy-in to living a life full of magic. And the buy-in is making choices. And sometimes those are very difficult yeah. choices. But at the core of it all is, do you choose to be a victim or do you choose to live a life with magic? And magic doesn't always mean it's going to be easy, but you can do this. And, and that's healing with gold. It's healing. It's honoring your cracks. You will go through your life showing off your cracks, but they will be filled with gold and you can do this. And magic is not always shiny and glory, but there is magic. It's like unbelievable. And Folly and I speak about this a lot that when we know that something's going to come to us and we know it's not even a question, we know. We're just waiting to see yeah. the how yeah. and when. And to the point where, you know, the more you do this work, I don't, I'm not even surprised anymore. There's just, the magic happens and you're like, oh yeah, duh. I mean, of course, you know, and people are like, how come you're not surprised? Isn't like, don't, don't, shouldn't you be like, whoa, look at what happened to me. And I say, no, no, no. The beauty is, is that I'm not surprised anymore because that's how high my level of trust is. The beauty yes. is, is that I don't need to, to be surprised. It's not that I take it for granted, but I accept so deeply that my life is full of magic. But it took a lot of work. It took a lot of choices, a lot of difficult decisions. And, and like we said before, committing again and again and again to healing with gold. And every day. Our choices are, who are we going to speak to? Are we going to listen to a rant about negativity? Are we going to be friends with this person that is fun, but very toxic? Maybe we speak about this a lot, right? Are we going to say, okay, this relationship has to have strong boundaries and we need to choose ourselves and our family? It's choices. And what one of the choices that I want to go into and wrap up here, Miri, can you share with the audience your morning ritual that was your choice that you started when you started healing and you said, this is my choice. No matter what happens in my life, no matter where I am, this is my morning thing. And this is what you, when we say spirituality, this is it. This is what Mary's going to tell you. This is a practice that we all practice in a different ways, but we have a ritual. We all have a ritual. Make sure you have your ritual. Mary's going to share right. with you the ritual and the magic happens when you keep to your ritual. Right. So I wake up an hour before my family so I can have an hour to myself and I don't have to care for anybody. I'm very lucky. My kids are already older and my husband helps me with breakfast. So 
But still, you know, there's things that you have to do as a mother and a wife. I make my coffee. If it's not too hot, I'll see it outside. So I first write five things that I'm grateful for. And I have some rules. I'm not allowed to do any of the big things. I'm not allowed to write that I woke up, that I walk, that I see. None of that. I have to write small things. And the reason for this rule is so the previous day, I'm going to be noticing everything that's happening, little things are happening, because I know that the next morning I'm going to have to write them down. (laughs) So I better have it. So the whole day I'm, you know, oh, my husband came and brought me, you know, a cup of coffee with cookies on his own. You know, it was so sweet. So I'll remember to write it down. Then I write 10 uh, goals for the year. It's the same thing. I write it every single day. It's because every time as I'm writing, I'm visualizing that specific thing. And for example, the first thing on my line is be a New York Times bestseller. So I said, okay, for me to be a New York Times bestseller, I have to write a book. (laughs) So, So then I had the 10 things. It's like the 10 like dreams. And then the 11th is a goal for the year. So it's one goal. Once I accomplish that goal, I can put a new goal. So the goal for 2020 was to write a book. So my book is by the editor. I had to write it because every single day I wrote New York Times bestseller. Now, obviously, it could be that this book is not going to be the New York Times bestseller. I'm going to have to keep writing until one day I accomplish that dream. But I can change a dream if something doesn't speak to me anymore. But the idea is to visualize that kind of a life that I want to have. So I have those 10 things that as I'm writing, I'm visualizing them. I read 15 minutes self-help books. So on the weekend, on Shabbat, I can read also other things. But during the week is a, I do self-help books. Could be business related, could be personal, but it could be something that's going to increase my knowledge and my wisdom. I study Italian. So I do about 15 to 20 minutes of Italian every single morning. And then I daven, I say nishmat, I say a few things, a few psukim. I don't say shacharit, I don't daven in a a prayer book. Yes, it's like the prayers that are meaningful to me. So those are the ones that I speak. And so I do all of those things in the morning. And then I go and I go in, or if it got too hot, I do it inside and then I start my day. But I do that. It takes me about an hour. Nobody comes, nobody disturbs me until I'm done with what I have to do. And by the time she's done with it, she's a ready vessel to receive all the abundance and good. And she's ready for the day. She created the vessel. Every day we need to polish and clean out our vessel of who we are. And if there's any negativity at us, we have to deal with it. Because the reason why people say start with gratitude in the morning, because whatever you're going to feed your body in the morning is going to lead you into the the rest of the day. That energy is going to lead you. Yes, different things are going to hit you, but how are you going to receive it is the question. And with gratitude, it's like that thing that bounces it off. Okay. That negative. Okay. We'll be able to balance it back. Maybe I'll do a quickly round, a quick round of gratitude or maybe a two minute meditation, but that's what it is. You polish your vessel, your vase every single morning. And I want to just add, Mary, do you know that Paul Cummings in his 10 steps of how to achieve your goal, his number one goal is see your goal in your mind's eye. So when you write it down, that's what it is. You're seeing the goal, you're writing it down as if it happened, right? You do it as if it oh, happened. I, I write right? it as if it happened. As, as if it I happened. Am your, right. Yeah, right. I, write, I am your time's best out. So that, yeah. so see the goal in the mind's eyes. It happened already. So when you know it happened already and you say it, the fear of getting there is not in front of you. So you're just moving towards it. So Paul talks about it. Number one in his 10 rules. And Paul is writing the foreword of my book. Yay, yay, yay. He wrote a book also on on achieving goals. And he he was before he suffered from a stroke two years ago, he was a world renowned speaker about achieving goals and manifesting your life to your highest degree. In one second, literally in one second, he lost everything his his speech, his reading, And he had to start like a newborn and doctor said, you can, he was trapped in his old body and his mother whispered into his ear, do exactly what you've been teaching millions and millions of people around the world. Start doing it now. And he couldn't even respond to it. He said only tears were coming down his eyes because he couldn't even react to it. 
And he started one moment at a time. And now he speaks. Stay tuned to our event that we're planning, God willing, after coronavirus, we're planning a healing event. There'll be a lot of people that inspire us, like Miri with her Kintsugi, Folly with her healing abilities and unlimited amount of knowledge and inspiration and many others. So stay tuned to that. Is there anything else you want to share before we say goodbye? You're not allowed to ask me that question because then we're going to talk for another hour. Know this. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say? You know what we the say? We, we don't say goodbye. We say to be yes. exactly. As, as yeah. my, my uncle that actually his episode aired today, he, he lost his wife eight and a half years ago. And he always says, as you say in Israel, to be continued, to be to seen be in the future. Thank you very much for joining me here. I want to say a thank you to God for healing me, for giving mm-hmm. me strength to share my story and to inspire others and to tell them that they could heal and to bringing me through my journey of brokenness in order to realize how much power is outside there in the world. And when you tap into that power, you start meeting incredible human beings and you just smile and you're like, oh, this is part of it. So thank you, Hashem, for Mm -hmm. introducing me to Fali. Thank you, Hashem, for introducing me to Mary. I know this is going to be a long life relationship with both of you. And Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for everything that you taught me, everything that you teach my community, everything you teach others. I am grateful for your work. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, I'm sure you're going to find something from this episode that you want to share. So forward this to a loved one that needs to know that healing with gold is a gift. Bye till next time. Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. And Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content where you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you.